4 to 15, we're beginning our sermon series in Luke's parables. Hear the word of the Lord. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but, they have no, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go in their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, Nathan. Well, good morning again. It is a, it's a pleasure and a privilege to be in the house of the Lord with you on this Sabbath, especially as we open up the book of Luke to these parables, and we have the privilege of uh, dining on the Lord's table today. Will you pray with me? Father, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, Lord, we do pray that you would open up our hearts. Father, in this parable, we see uh, hearts that are hard, hearts that are distracted, uh, hearts that are shallow, and hearts that are wide open. Father, I pray that our hearts will be wide open to you, to your word. Father, thank you for your, your joy that you pour out on this congregation. Father, thank you that we are who you say we are, chosen, not forsaken. Lord, thank you for being very present with us as you tell us in Philippians 4, the Lord is at hand. Lord, thank you for being at hand. Lord Jesus, I pray that even now that I would decrease and you would increase. That your joy would flood us in Christ. Amen. Amen. This is, um, this is one of my favorite parables, uh, not just because it has an ex explanation, and most of them do not, but because it's about farming, and, and I just happen to like farming. I come from a long line of farmers. My mother was a, a sharecropper's daughter. There could be a song about that, I suppose. Uh, she was a sharecropper's daughter in South Alabama. She, 
used to tell story of, stories of uh, picking cotton and, and uh, cutting her hands on the cotton. And she, would, she, she said that she was the, uh, the youngest, so she always had to pick the low cotton, which meant she had to get down low and pick that cotton. She always wanted to be at the place where she could pick the high cotton. But that wasn't her lot uh, as, as the youngest of seven. Uh, my, my father uh, was also a farmer. Uh, he was also a guy that, uh, that served other farmers by building windmills uh, across South Alabama, and some of those still stand. Uh, I don't know if they still work, but you can, you can drive through little towns like Wicksburg and, and Slocum and Hartford and South Alabama, and, and you can see a, a, an old windmill standing that my father uh, would have erected uh, many years ago. So farming's, uh, farming's a part of my, my past and my heritage. My Uncle Dan has a, has a farm, and he's not farming it anymore, but his, his son is. And so uh, Stanley has uh, a couple thousand acres of land that he farms and soybeans and, and uh, tomatoes and, and peanuts, and he just kind of rotates through as you're supposed to do. One of the, the funnest things about that farm, I don't care what he's growing really, but one of the funnest things about that farm to me is that he has crop dusters, you know? And so if you, if you take some time and you're driving across the eastern shore towards the beach, every now and then you'll see a crop duster flying low. Well, uh, Stanley has crop dusters that come in on a regular basis and take care of the crops. But he's also got this tractor. This tractor is like a little boy's dream, okay? I mean, the, the tires are like bigger than, than, than me if I was Manute Bowl. I mean, they're like over seven feet. They're huge tires. In fact, this, this green John Deere is so large that I don't, I don't think it would fit on the platform. I guess the platform's probably long enough, maybe, but it's not wide enough. This thing has these huge tires on the back, and it's got like rows of them. I mean, what do you, I don't know. He's got a purpose for it. And he's got all these fancy attachments, like some of the attachments disc up the soil, cut up the soil, and some of them plow the soil, and, and some of these attachments plant the seeds, and, and some of them plant the fertilizer, and uh, and so it's got the, all this gear that's just really fascinating to, to me. It brings out the little boy in me. What, what Stanley says he does, though, when I ask him about what he does with all this, he said most of his time is spent in the cultivating the soil. It's the getting the soil ready for the seed. And then the seed goes in. And then a whole lot of time is spent getting rid of the weeds and getting rid of the bugs and getting rid of the pests after the seed is planted. There's times of cultivating and then the seed, and then there's times of nurturing before the harvest. We see some of that in this passage. It would be real easy for us to just look at this and say, oh, this is easy, you know, just quick and easy, just, you know, plant the seed, some of it grows, some of it doesn't, light it off, press on. A lot more than that in this passage. Thankfully, Jesus does uh, take care of the riddle for us and give us some of the answers. He tells us there's, there's seed, and there's the sowers, plural, and there's the soils. So let me back up with that. There's three bad soils and one good soil. Uh, there's a whole lot of sowers, but there's only one seed. Only one seed. The seed is the Word of God. He makes that very, very clear for us in, in verse 11. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. I've heard this preached and declared before that, that this is all about evangelism. Uh, that's the, the seed is, is the evangelistic word going out to see if somebody will be saved. My friends, it's so much more than that. 
Jesus is, uh, is spoken of in John chapter 1 as the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Nothing has been made that has been made except through Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God. Jesus comes from the Father, full of grace and truth. We have beheld his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. This, this one is the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the seed. From the beginning of Genesis to the end of Revelation, he is the Word of God. He is the seed that is spoken of here. Now, maybe it is more directed here towards evangelism, but it also, we can't leave it only there. It includes all of the Word of God. When Jesus tells us he is the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes to the Father but through him, he is saying that in light of all that was spoken of in the Old Testament, the whole meta-narrative of all of Scripture, and then everything else we've got in the New Testament after the end of, of the, the resurrection and the ascension speaks back to what Jesus did here on earth as a fulfillment of what God had promised in the Old Testament. So all of the Word of God has to be in view here. It's not only that, that point of a, of a 15 minute or a half hour evangelistic conversation. There's a lot more that's going on here in this place. In 2 Timothy in 3, uh, 16 and 17, Paul says to Timothy that all scripture is God breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Or in Hebrews in chapter 4, in verse 12, for the word of God is living and active. When he writes that, he's writing of all of the word of God. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So he's speaking of a hymn there, and he's speaking of a word of God, and the two are the same. No creature is hidden from Jesus Christ. He is the word of God. So the word is proclaimed here. When he's speaking of the seed, he's speaking of Christ that is sown in our hearts, that we might receive with gladness the word of God and be transformed. The sower, on the one hand, is Jesus the Christ. So he's the seed, and he's the sower. But he's not the only sower. The sower includes you and I. The sower is the one that's, that's spreading the seed in the field. He's a farmer. In this picture, there are the two sowers, the two categories of sower. There's Christ and there's the Christian. The Christian is the one that follows Christ. That's why we're called Christians. We follow, we follow Christ. If we're a disciple of Christ, we follow Christ. Just as Christ is sower, so are us that are Christians sowers. If you're not a, a Christian yet and, and, and you're wondering why Christians keep wanting to talk to you about Christ, it's because they're called to be sowers. If they're not, if they're not talking to you about Christ, then, then they're not acting as sowers. If Christ isn't a part of their lives, then they're not acting as sowers. They're not acting as Christians, as one that's, ones that follow Christ. So, so don't look on them with disdain uh, if they're talking to you of Christ. That's what they're called to do. Okay, so if, if you're not a Christian here, I want you to hear what we're talking about this morning because this will apply to you as well as to those that are Christians as we talk about the different soils. So we're all sowers if you're, if you're, if you're a Christian. It's one beggar telling another beggar where to buy bread. So when and where does this sowing take place? 
In the parable, he's speaking of sowing that takes place out in a farmer's field. You get a picture of a farmer that has a, a, probably a, a bag of a seed slung over his shoulder, or maybe he's got an apron tack, uh, uh, wrapped around his, his waist, and maybe it's the, the father, the mother, the sons, the daughters, everybody gets involved in it, and they're walking around and they're just throwing the seed out to the right and to the left, okay? And that's what this, the sowing involves. In, in, this, in this passage, uh, we have to understand that Jesus is applying it to those that are not farmers. So he's applying it to you and I also. Where does our sowing take place? Well, it takes place, uh, I think, in four different areas. It takes place in uh, what I might call our quiet times or our time alone with God. A friend of mine calls it his counseling time with the Father. Uh, someone else it's, calls it their, their time alone with the Lord or wh whatever you call it. It's that time with, that you spend with the Lord, perhaps morning and evening, perhaps only morning, perhaps only evening. Uh, I need it morning and evening. In fact, I need it throughout the day. Um, it's that time that you spend alone with God. When you are acting as a sower, you're sowing the seed, the Word of God, into your own soul. So as you open up the, the Word, the Bible in, in the morning, you're asking the Father to help you understand what it says, to open up your heart and transform you. And in so doing, you're sowing the Word of God, the seed, into your own soul. Think of what Paul did, or not Paul, what David did in the book of Psalms. Quite often you see uh, Paul, or David rather, speaking to his soul. Rejoice in the Lord, O my soul, he says. Why are you so downcast, O my soul? So you see David speaking to his soul. It's okay for us to speak to our souls. You might not want to do it out loud when you're walking down the street in public. People might look at you odd. But we, we do that when we open up the Word and we have these times alone with, with the Father. So it happens as we're, we're sowing during our quiet time, our time alone with God. It happens in the process of evangelism when you and I are sowing the Word, sowing, the, sowing Jesus Christ to those that are neighbors, to those that are family members, sons, daughters, dads, moms, brothers, sisters, uh, neighbors, business associates, when we're sowing the, the seed, the Word of God uh, in an evangelistic context, and we're hoping that it will take root. We're praying that it will take root. We go to God about man before we go to man about God. Lord, will you please help this seed take root in this person's life? That's what Jack McGill was doing on November 11, 1979, when he opened up the Word of God to me. And he's praying uh, that, that it would take root in my life as he told me of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it happens in evangelism. It also happens in discipleship. As we're going about the business of discipling others, maybe it's in a context of a, a, of a missional discipleship group. Maybe it's in the context of your Renew group and you're, you're leading a renewed group, and you're discipling others, you're sowing the seed of God's Word in that way. Maybe it's in a Sunday school format. Maybe it's in the, in, in the context of a, the sermon or the preaching of the Word of God. So quiet time, evangelism, discipleship, and that fourth one is the preaching of the Word of God. And so uh, in, in that case, there's, there's one sower in this place this morning, um, but there's a lot of soils in here. Now, I'm not saying that you're dirt. Not what I mean. But Philip Ryken does say that we're dirt. Uh, Philip Ryken, uh, pastor, theologian, 
says that we are soils as well when, we're, when we are uh, in that renew group or when we're in that discipleship group or when we're sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. And he encourages us, right and dust, that our hearts would be soft and that soil would be cultivated, our hearts would be cultivated, and that we would eagerly receive the Word of God is under the preaching of the Word of God. So Riken does make that point that we're engaged in all of those things. But maybe you say, maybe you say, look, I, I'm not, uh, I'm just not comfortable talking to others about Jesus. Maybe you say I'm an Enneagram 12 or 14 or whatever. I don't know what those numbers are. I don't want to know what those numbers are, okay? <laughs> I don't have any more capacity for any more groups. Um, but maybe you say I'm an introvert. I don't want to talk to other people. I'm not comfortable about doing that, about talking to other people about Jesus. I understand. I understand. Sometimes the backlash you get um, can, be, can be painful. I understand that. Uh, sometimes it can, it can harm a relationship. Sometimes it can cost you your job. I get that. I've been there, done that. But listen, um, Jesus isn't comfortable with our discomfort. Let me say that again. Jesus isn't comfortable with our discomfort. In Matthew 13, he makes it clear that if we deny him before man, he will deny us before the Father. He gave us a great commission in every single one of the Gospels plus the book of Acts. You know the big one in Matthew chapter 28. I want to encourage you before the day's over, maybe it's a great lunchtime conversation, to go in and look for the great commission in the, in the books of of Mark and Luke and John, and you'll find it there as well. You're a part of God's plan if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. You're a part of his plan. Our mission is not complete. My friends, you and I are still on mission until all have heard. We're still on mission. I get it. The gospel can be offensive. And you don't want to offend people. Well, the gospel is offensive. Thankfully, it's offensive to me sometimes. And Jesus offends me with his word when I'm not in line with him. When when my faith is not what it ought to be. When my joy is not where it ought to be. When my focus is not where it ought to be. Thankfully, Jesus Christ offends me with his word and points me back to him. Sometimes we look at God's offense, though, and we treat it as if it's Sauron from the Lord of the Rings, you know, the evil wizard is going to get you, he's going to hit you with a staff. He's not like that. He's not like that. He's a lot more like Gandalf, but he's a whole lot better than Gandalf. <laughs> you know, the kindly guy. Jesus, Jesus invites us in. He says, come to me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. I am gentle and lowly in heart. Come to me. Jesus invites us to come to me. Listen, if we have that invitation from Jesus, why would we not want to give it to someone else? You are a sower of God's word. As a believer in Jesus, you're a sower. We're also, we really are also the soil. There's four types of soil that's listed here. There's a hardened soil, there's a shallow soil, there's a thorny soil, and there's a good soil. So let's look at verse 5 and verse 12. We'll take them together. Verse 5 and verse 12, you see the hard soil. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Then in verse 12, 
He gives us the interpretation. The ones along the path are those who have heard. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. So there's a, there's a hardened soil. The picture is that there's a path through the, through the field. And the, the sower has walked this path numerous times, sowing seed over the years. And others, as they're taking a shortcut through the field, they walk along that path. And it becomes like a sidewalk, just hard as a rock. And the seed lands on it, just kind of bounces there. And I, I picture crows just coming in behind him and just scooping up the seed as soon as the, the farmer has sown it. Hardened. It's a picture of our hearts sometimes. Hardened hearts. Um, hardened perhaps because uh, we've sinned against the Father and he, he pokes at our heart and he tries to peel it back desires to peel it back and we just keep putting up the hand say Holy Spirit talk to the hand I don't want to talk to you I don't want to talk to you God and we, we put up a layer of Kevlar between us and God and then another layer and another layer and another layer until our hearts are so hardened against the Father even after we become believers in Christ often often more often than we know we put up that, that shield between us and God and say, Lord, I don't want to talk about that. I really like my idols. I really like my idols. I like my sin. I don't want to talk to you about that. Listen, it can be painful for God to rip open that heart, but it's good. It's good pain. It's like Eustace in the Chronicles of Narnia when he was a dragon, and Aslan comes along, and with his claws, he rips the scales off of Eustace and makes Eustace into a little boy again. It can be painful, but it's such a good pain. Let God soften our hearts. But it's also speaking of those that are not yet believers and their hearts are hardened. He gives us that as a purpose for the parables in verse 10. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. So is it, is it beyond hope? Are those individuals that don't yet know Christ and their hearts are hardened, are they beyond hope? No, they're not beyond hope. If they're beyond hope, then Saul was beyond hope. Saul was like, a, he was hurting Christians to, the, to their death, like somebody hurting Jews and Christians into a cattle car in World War II. That's who Saul was. Don't miss that. And God reached that man with the gospel of Jesus Christ. He might be the greatest example we see in Scripture of that. But you have another example standing right here before you. A man whose heart was hardened and who was in desperate need of Jesus Christ. If anyone is beyond hope, then I was beyond hope. But God in his grace reached down and opened up my heart, my hard, dull heart, and proclaim to me the gospel of Jesus Christ and sow the seeds into my heart. What has to happen for this hard heart to become ground that's ready for the seed again? Well, it has to be cultivated, right? It's what you do. You cultivate the hard ground. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus is, is asking Jesus, well, how, can, how can somebody be born again? I mean, come on, Jesus. Does he enter into his 
mother's womb a second time. And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, must be born again. You have to be born again. So it has to be that regeneration of the soul through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit applying the word of God. There has to be that, re, that regeneration. In John chapter 6, in verse 44, Jesus in verse 43, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So we pray, we cultivate by praying that the Father will draw people to himself. We go to God about man before we go to man about God. But having gone to God about man, we then do go to man about God. We don't leave out that second part and pray and hope that the Father will indeed draw them. Or in Luke chapter 10, who are these individuals that we go to? you got the parable of the Good Samaritan. We'll get to that later in the summer where Jesus you know, says, here's your neighbor. It's the one that is not like you. It's the one that is your enemy. That is the one that is, is your neighbor. Or Matthew chapter 22, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Who's your neighbor? It's those that are not like you, that those you might even be in a relationship of tension with. So we cultivate the soil. Keep sowing, keep praying, keep hoping, keep loving. Take the time to live incarnationally and love those individuals the second soil is a shallow, a rocky soil. It's in verse 6 and verse 13. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no, no moisture. Verse 13. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but, but these have no root. They believe for a while. In a time of testing, they, they fall away. The soil in, in that part of the world can be very shallow. And underneath you've got bedrock. So let's say that soil is two or three inches deep. And the seed falls on it and you've watered it. And, and the seed takes root because there's water. Uh, and, it, and it begins to germinate. It's, it, you know, it pokes this little green leaf above the, above the surface of the soil. Remember those little things that you did in, in grade school? Where you'd plant a little seed in a cup and you'd water it and wait for it to grow? Remember that? Well, that's kind of what you see here. And the, but the soil is no deeper than the soil in that little pixie cup. It's no deeper. And so when the soil dries out a little bit, it, the, the plant withers and dies. The picture given here is of, of a Christian or, or someone that has received the word of God. And they said, yeah, this is awesome. And they're glad and they're full of joy. But their heart's not nur nurtured. There's no nourishment coming in. And there's testing that begins. And the first hard time happens. The first time God doesn't do what they want him to do, maybe they've lost a friend, maybe there's sickness, maybe there's a death in the family, and they blame God and they say, I don't want any more of this. And like that seed that's sown in shallow ground, they wither and walk away. Our hearts have to be nourished with God's word. That's why discipleship is so important. The third soil is that thorny, distracting soil. You see in verse 7 and 14, and some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And then in verse 14, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. 
That, that's different than the shallow soil. These are, are, this is seed that, that's, that takes root, but then no one nurtures that seed. No one comes around and keeps the weeds and the thorns away, and the thorns come in and they drag it down. Jesus compares that to the riches, the cares, the pleasures of life, the worries and the anxieties about people that you love maybe, about good things, but they take our attention and we, we have a love for them that we don't have for Jesus. And so we let those things distract us and turn our hearts and heads away from the Father. Uh, one of our, our favorite houses that we lived in was at 2721 Southview Terrace in Vestavia, suburb of Birmingham. It had two acres, and the, the house was kind of level, but then it fell away into a canyon with a creek at the bottom. I loved watching the, the raccoons and the wildlife in that canyon. When we bought the house, the, the backyard was, was flooded with wisteria. A friend of mine that had... Uh, served in Vietnam that I worked with said it reminded him of some of the jungles he had walked through. It was so thick. It wasn't always like that. We found a newspaper clipping of that backyard when it was on the, the garden trail in Birmingham. Uh, they had, you know, a little rock paths that kind of wove down through the, the, the backyard and down to the creek below. They had hydrangea bushes planted everywhere. And they had 34 dogwoods in the backyard that kind of lined to this path and gave it a beautiful scene in the springtime. But they had also planted wisteria. I don't know if you know about wisteria. It's beautiful. It's got these big purple flowers. But when it grows up, it can grow as a canopy and choke everything underneath it. And that's what had happened here. There was a, a, a couple. The, the woman had died eight years before. Uh, the man had uh, was in a wheelchair and unable to care for what they had begun. So they started the garden, but nobody nurtured it. Nobody cared for it. And it wasn't long before the wisteria took over, and it broke down every one of those dogwood trees, just snapped them in half, crushed them all. Nothing was left but that. The, the wisteria is beautiful. The cares, the pleasures, the riches of life, they're riches and they're pleasures, and they're called that for a reason. They're beautiful, whatever they are in your life, but they can distract you, turn your heart and your head away from God. Jesus calls us to be very careful of those things. Again, that's what community is for, and discipleship is for, and our time alone with God is for, and this Sunday morning time when we come together as a body of believers. It's helping us to see what are those riches and cares and pleasures and turn our focus back to our King. The fourth soil is the good soil. Verse 8 and verse 15. And some fell into good soil, soil that had been cultivated and prepared. Good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. In Matthew it says it grew and yielded 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Verse 15. And as for that, in the good soil there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. There's two good things to know here about this. First, uh, that good soil holds the word of God with an honest and good heart. That is, it, it's, it's, it, it understands the deep need for Jesus Christ. We understand the depth of our sin. If we can't understand the depth of our sin, we get a, begin to get a grasp of that. And we know that we have this incredible need for Jesus Christ and we carry those two things with us. We know we have a need for Jesus and we know that Jesus has satisfied that need. My friends, that's the honest and good heart that holds fast to the Word of God, that understands I have to have 
Jesus. But the second thing we need to know here that's, that's mentioned is that he holds it with patience. With patience. What that means is this is the individual, the, goal, the good soul that perseveres when faced with trials. Patiently just hangs with God with patience. Even if the, the, the times are very, very, very tough, horribly tough, heartbreakingly tough, we still keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ with an honest and good heart and with patience. We keep our eyes fixed on Christ. Steadfast. When the riches and the cares and the pleasures attempt to steal it away or distract it from God, this is a heart that remains focused with an eternal perspective and a heart of gratitude. There has to be nurturing, teaching, discipleship. There has to be fertilizer. There has to be weeding. But this soil bears fruit in our lives. God's calling us here to be that good soil, honest and good heart, cultivated soil, hearts that are soft. Let me give you four things to, to close this out. First, we need to be motivated by the love of God, love for Christ, love for people. Love of Christ for us, love of, of us for Christ, and love for people. And, we, and motivated by that, we have to sow the seed. Christian, you're a part of God's plan. You are a part of God's plan. You're part of God's plan. You are on mission. If you're not yet a believer in Jesus Christ, soften your heart and let the word of God be born in you. Motivated by the love of Christ. Second, don't be discouraged by the lack of growing. You'll sow seed and, and there could be nothing that comes of it. Don't be discouraged by that, but be encouraged by what you read here. That there is good soil. There's good soil, so keep, keep sowing. Be encouraged by that. Third, ask God to make you a cultivator. Ask him to make you a sower. Ask him to make you a harvester. Ask him to make you a discipler. Ask him to do that. Ask him to open up your, your heart and your mouth, as Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 6, that whenever you open your mouth, words would be given you that you may declare the gospel of Jesus Christ fearlessly as you should. Paul's asking for prayer for that. We too need prayer for that. So let's pray for each other in that. But pray also that God would give you individuals to sow the word of God into. So pray for both of those. Our mouths will be open, but that, the, that God would give us people to engage in with the gospel. Fourth and finally, soften your own heart. Not just for those in here that are unbelievers, but those that are believers. Soften your own heart. Let's pray that God would soften our hearts, nurture our own hearts to receive the word of God with a glad and sincere heart, eager to walk with our Jesus. That's what this table's about. That's why Jesus told us that as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. He tells us of that in every one of the gospels, and he tells us of that again in 1 Corinthians 11 through the apostle Paul, that whenever we, we partake of this table, the bread and the cup, that we would do it in remembrance of Jesus Christ, remembrance of who he is, Remembrance of what he has done for us. Remember of who he has called us to be. You are children of God. You are who God says you are. These, these tables here, this table represents for us what God has called us to and him nurturing us. But it's also something very real and very palpable. These tables are Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit rather, nurturing us. Nurtures us and filling us with more grace to do what God has called us to do, to live as God has called us to live. Will you join me in prayer? 
Lord, you also tell us in 1 Corinthians 11 to be careful. To be careful. Father, you teach us there that we're to examine ourselves. Lord, as, as David prayed in Psalms, Lord, examine us, test us, see if there's any unrighteous way in us. So, Father, we would pray that even now. Lord, I pray that you would soften our hearts. Lord, where our hearts have become hard, I pray, Lord, that you would soften us. Lord, if you have to take uh, scales from our eyes, scales from our heart, Lord, even where it's painful, Lord, it is better by far to have those scales removed that we may fellowship with you in that newness of life. Father, I pray that you would make us sowers. And Father, where we have ceased to sow the word of God in the lives of others, I pray, Lord, that you would open our mouths and you would provide people that need the gospel, that we, we would sow the word of God with excitement and joy. Father, thank you for your word. I pray now for this bread and this cup that we will partake of in a few moments. Lord, that you would indeed pour your grace out on your people. Lord, that you would nurture us anew with the gospel of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen.